0: Behind the Bets with Doug Kazarian is presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. Vegas, baby, Vegas! At the end of the game, you count up your money. That's how you find out who's best. If all my bets were safe, there just wouldn't be any juice. 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 The point spreads, the prop bets, the teasers, the parlays. From Vegas to you. This is Behind the bets. Welcome into the latest Behind the Bets podcast. I am Doug Kazarian. We are taping this on Wednesday, March 24th, the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. Uh, Outstanding. Outstanding. I was joking on air that we really had two years of madness in one, given we missed last year's big dance, but outstanding. We did adjust our body clocks a little bit with the day later start, but nonetheless, uh, good to have you back. Obviously, uh, we certainly missed you last year. And uh, the Sweet 16 is upon us. Alan Cuff did a great job on the pod a week ago. Hopefully you tailed the right plays of ours, and we posted on the ESPN.com's chalk section. We'll continue to do that. And be sure to check out the Daily Wager podcast. Each day we will release a short five- to ten-minute podcast, the best picks for that day. Download and subscribe to Daily Wager and Behind the Bets wherever you get your podcast. Sounds to me like you guys a couple of bookies. And now we bring back college basketball analyst Dallin Cuff, who you heard last week breaking down the entire first round. And uh, Dallin, good to be with you as we are left to sixteen remaining teams. Yeah, man, uh, great to be back. A wild first weekend. My bracket is destroyed. My bank account is good. So that's all that really matters here, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Well said. Well said. So let's. Uh, I want to just kind of before I don't want to go individually each game by game. Um, overall, sort of you know we had sort of our perception of teams, what we anticipated. Who kind of moved the most in your like internal power rankings, if you will?
1: Well, I said this uh, I've said this in so many platforms. I'm not sure if I said it here too, because I've just I faded or faded, faded Syracuse for so long uh, and made quite a bit of good money off of that throughout the course of 2021 at least in January and February, but later in the month of February and into March they played much better. Um, faded them hard in my bracket. Didn't think they were going to p- perform at the level they have, but they've been really good. So my perception of them, I think, is a little bit different. I do like their matchup against Houston. I also have, as I said last week on our pod, a, bi- a bias against Houston. I had Rutgers beating them, and I don't say a bias. I just don't. I I think they're a good team with good guards, uh but I obviously think they're very beatable, um especially you know Rutgers had that game at the end and yeah. Steve Michael, yeah. they. they They just really bogged down, and Pykeles a great coach, but they just went kind of like isolation. Didn't get to a second and third side. Didn't just played not to lose down the stretch, and they lost. Um, But Cuse now, I think my my I I kind of did this exercise last night, just kind of guessed I was. We're doing guess the lines on on a radio show um, because I hadn't looked at them yet, which is really rare for me to not look at them yet. But it gave me kind of a where I where I think I want to be or where I think the game should be. So I thought that line was three or should would be three. It was six. Um, when we looked and it still is. So that, that I, th- I think Syracuse is the team I've calibrated. My, my view has changed the most of, and I like their matchup. I like the way they're playing, and I like against Houston as long as they rebound the basketball, which is a lot said of the defensive end. They've got to clean up their glass because Houston's great at that. I, re- I really like Houston. My perception of them has changed the most, I think, in the last couple of weeks, but particularly given the weekend.
0: Yeah, no, I like the cues going in, but uh, didn't expect this. They're shooting the lights out, too. There's only so much you can do, yeah. and you're right, the Houston game basically came down to the wire and with like a kind of a little bit of a mini comeback. They were about three to one, four to one favorite Rutgers was, uh, with like two minutes to go or something like that. So oh. not necessarily off there. I, I think for me, and I mentioned it, I did like Nova against Winthrop. I just thought Jay Wright would get this team ready that many days to prepare. I didn't think they'd keep it going though. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought Purdue would be getting in their way. Obviously they didn't even face the Boilermakers. I think we need to like not sleep on Nova and Jay Wright just, doing things differently, making adjustments, and uh, he's proven it in this tournament. So him and even McDermott with Creighton making a run, although they've caught some breaks with their opponents and got escaped UCSB.
1: That's one thing we,
0: uh, it's always like the difference, the quick turnaround is coaching as well, but then also the four days to prepare is coaching as well. So I think Nova's uh, kind of a live dog against this Baylor team who obviously uh, looks great and sort of maybe regained their mojo. Yeah, that's a. T- I mean, I think you're, you're absolutely right with Jay Wright.
1: And I, we were both on board. I was not feeling Winthrop in that game. I think we were li- just undervaluing Jay Wright. And I mean, uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl's top 15 player in the country. Like, let's, let's not forget about that. But I feel like that got kind of tossed out. They always played at a slower pace. But in this game, um, I'm really interested to see their guards try to hang, how they handle Baylor. Uh, we know, like I mentioned, pace, they're going to play at a slower pace, they're going to try to grind it down. But without Gillespie and if you've got, you know, Archie Diacono in there and there's different guys that they can take advantage of offensively and defensively, um, that's going to be a tough game. Uh, but that that line is is higher than I would have thought, to be very honest. So um, I think they are a live dog. I think that's not that's not a, a bad play. I kind of like the under in all honesty, too, because I think they're going mm-hmm. to co- coach. I think Jay Wright's going to they already play a bottom 25, 20. Oh, pace. Sure. I, don't, I don't think they're taking anything quick. I think they want to take the air out of the ball, try to be as efficient as possible, get good looks against a really good, a good Baylor perimeter defense. Um, I'm interested to see how they guard them. They can probably, their matchups are pretty good because they can switch guys almost one through five. Um, When Baylor brings in Matt Meyer when they have different lineups. Um, and, And I think they'll be, we know they'll be well drilled. I think the game will be close, but I definitely think it'll be low scoring. So my play there is more the under than anything else.
0: I only like two favorites in this in this entire Sweet 16, and one of them is actually Gonzaga. And I say with trepidation, I say actually because look, man, lane double digits this kind of this late in the tournament. I mean, things get tight, the stage gets bigger, but I do think the Zags have the obviously the horsepower to bury them. I, I yeah, I say, th- they, they dude, I'm not
1: gonna recount the bad beat from that Oklahoma game, but I was just, <laughs> I, I mean, that one crushed me. I mean, it was 11 point. I just said I'm not gonna recount it, so now let me back up, stop it. That one hurt. Um, so I'm slightly <laughs> scarred about ta- about lay- taking the points with Creighton here. But it is – I mean, Creighton's a good team. It's the same argument I made the yeah. other day with you on Daily Wager with Oklahoma. Oklahoma's a good team. Now, Oklahoma had beaten better teams, too, than Creighton has beaten. Um, and I wouldn't exactly say Creighton's playing particularly well. As you mentioned, UCSB, Amadou Sow, I feel awful for him The follow on one end and missed to lay up on the other. That, that sequence, mm-hmm. he'll remember that for the rest of his life, um, which is sad. Um, but I, I think the play here really is, is the over because I don't think Doug McDermott or Craig McDermott is going to change the way they play. Yeah. And they do play at pace, not crazy with their hair on fire, but they get up and down and they they can score. And they got five guys that can drill, pass, and shoot. And this is going to be a really fun game with a lot of playmakers and shot makers. And at times, both teams can be not defensively disinterested, I think they just know they can score the ball. So times if they get beat, they just get it in and go, go the other way. I mean, Gonzaga in particular, if they get scored on talk about not thinking about it. They don't, they, they don't even care. The ball's in we're going the other way. They just know they're going to outscore you. Um, so I do like the over at one fifty eight. I think this game's played in the one sixties. I'm not sure that they're going to cover 13 and a half. I just, I think there is, I have like a blind spot. I love them. I have them winning in my breath, winning the whole thing, but to be blowing out teams, and to bet that you're going to blow out another high-quality opponent is, is a bit much. I think I just, I don't know, maybe, I'm just, maybe I just have a, too much of a bias there. But I like the over here more than anything else.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Um, and I said last week on the pod, I've talked to a few people. I mean, look, they just have trouble protecting the rim. So if you, <laughs> you can get it at the rim, they're not like shot blocking and things like that. The other game that's super intriguing is what the Pac-12 has done so far in this tournament they finally suffered a loss but we have usc and oregon now i have some futures on the ducks and i did not want to face the trojans because the usc uh beat them both times in the regular season so i am worried about that this matchup like what do you make i mean you hear about these cliches tough to beat a team three times i don't believe in Mm -hmm. that whether it's football basketball anything but i do think uh, this could be a match of concern for the for for oregon here you said the key word yeah i don't really buy into the three
1: tough to beat a team three times if the matchup is bad for one team, then it's not hard to beat a team three times. Um, if the games are really tight and you eat things out, then, yeah, of course, you are playing a third time, You absolutely. But I think the matchup here is the problem. In, in the first Oregon me- meeting, it um, didn't mean as much to me. It's the, it's the, it's the second one when they played, when Oregon was playing a kind of full strength, if you will. They were fully healthy. Um, they were on a run of good form. They finally got going. And USC just throttled them. I mean, from the tip of that game, I know Tajidi went out of his mind, but it's more so that uh, – Oregon plays with offensive versatility and Omarui Rui at the five is a stretch guy that can knock down shots and they're, they're going to play kind of positionless basketball. The problem with USC is they can defend that and comfortably yeah. at that. And, and they've got outstanding length, defensive versatility. They're going to switch a lot of different things. Obviously Evan Mobley and his brother are really good, versatile bigs. Um, that, that are very comfortable out on the perimeter. So and, and I, I think that that causes that offensive problem. On the other side, USC can exploit some advantages they have in the interior. They are shooting the ball at a much better clip. I don't think they want to rely on Isaiah Mobley taking triple step back threes <laughs> like he was against KU. Like, let's let's pump the brakes on that, my man. But, I mean, they went in. But they're as a team, they're playing offensively at a really high or higher level than we have seen for most of the year. Um, I, I think it's unfortunate. When I first looked at the bracket, I thought this was really a distinct possibility we could see this game. I didn't have the guts to put Oregon over Iowa. I wish I would have. I did have USC over KU. Um, In this matchup, I think both these teams have unique skill sets that in different parts, they could make even deeper runs. It's almost unfortunate they're meeting at this point in time in the Sweet 16. Um, But I I do think overall, I I would lay the two and a half here with the Trojans. I think it's a tough matchup for Oregon. I think they win this game uh, by probably about four or five points.
0: Yeah, that's uh, another favorite I like as well, just because of the matchup concerns. And Mm -hmm. Andy Enfield, 9-0 9-0 in his career yeah, in the tournament. <laughs> ATS is the best ever. So as much as we talk about Dana Altman in March, uh, Andy Enfield is the best tournament to coach at ATS in history, albeit nine games, but still fun to mention. Yeah. Um, one more game in the sort of the top half of the brackets, if you will, is this Arkansas Oral Roberts team. I, I like the Razorbacks. It's hard not to. Uh, we were both on them as a dog, a one-point dog against Texas Tech, and mm-hmm. they prevailed. It was just a wild, wild finish. Both teams kind of blew leads. Um, I have to grab the points here. I think Oral Roberts sort of, we, you know, we talk about the anatomy of the upset, so to speak, in the tournament. You have to have three-point shooting, and you have to play, you know, you can't just be overwhelmed by athleticism. Now, Arkansas, I think, can play down to their opponent a little bit, but I mm-hmm. think Oral Roberts has enough shooting to at least keep this to single digits or within 12. Well, my my, my I, I love Oral Roberts. Obviously, obviously, I us my
1: best bet the other day when they were uh, getting nine points. Uh, I took them in the over against Ohio State. I didn't have the guts to take the points, but I, I know they could score. The thing that concerns me with this game for taking uh, the Oral Bob's is the fact that they played earlier this year, and that to me really benefits the more talented team, and benefits a coach like Eric Musselman to say, okay, here's how we guarded them then. Here's how we we understand what they do. I, I keep using the term, but they do also Arkansas with a bunch of defensive versatility, which which is what you need because Max A. Smith and Kevin O'Banner are going to put you in a bunch. They're going to run a bunch of ball screens. And when they have bigger, bigger, bigs, O'Banner picks and pops and he can knock down that three Arkansas. Probably just going to switch all that stuff. They may take Connor Van over out of the game and just switch all their screens and keep guys in front of them, make it hard, make them make contested threes. And I think they'll be able to guard their yard enough. Arkansas has got much better defensively throughout the course of the year. Oral Roberts has improved on both sides of the ball, but primarily their, their game is still geared more toward offense. So, I think in this game, the under is really the play here. It's at 159 right now. I think on its face, we know both teams can score. Arkansas also has a top 15 team in defensive efficiency, and I think that's going to show. I think they're going to be able to make it hard to score at times, and they'll be able to score. Um, So I'm I'm, I'm not – I like the under more. Uh, I do think Oral Roberts can keep it within – I think they probably can keep it within the number. I don't think they get rocked, um, but I, I think they might have to make it a little more of a rock fight. It might look more like the Ohio State game we saw. Then the floor, then the more like the Florida game, you uh, might see a team yeah, that's that. That has to make some key plays down the stretch and does that, but doesn't play as fast as they did against, you know, some of league competition. They've, they, they've, they've played a little bit slower and a little more of a controlled game um, to try to keep it close with these big dogs. So I think the under is the way to go in this game.
0: And for what it's worth, those curious uh, earlier in the, I mean, it was December. So it was before Christmas, uh, 11 point was your margin. And it landed, um, let's do some quick math, 163. So high-scoring game back then, but you're right, familiarity. Mm -hmm. So I I get behind the under there for sure, for sure. Let's go to – in your bracket at home, let's go to the bottom half. We've already touched on the Syracuse-Houston game. The other game in that uh, region is Loyola-Chicago, which was just as impressive as anyone last weekend. Mm Wire-to-wire winner over Illinois. The one seed never even led in the game. And this Oregon State Beavers team just continues to impress – um it feels like a lot of points I'm not going to say a letdown but I mean there's six and a half there's a seven out there as well I have to grab it with the Beavers who it makes no sense that they were sixth place or whatever they were in the Pac-12 but then you see the other teams (laughs) play in in the tournament like oh this is why they went 10 and 10 in conference
1: yeah um yes and no because their inconsistency was so relevant that they were so prevalent all year and I think the difference is they've become consistent in making some really tough shots and, and getting, but getting good looks too. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're running really good offense and they're, they're all playing at a, at a really high level confidence wise. Um, in, in terms of taking the points, I do think there's a little bit of a market overcorrection with, with Loyola Chicago. I think when we did the guest alliance, I thought this was game would be five. Um, if right. it's up at six and a half or so. I'd probably end up taking Oregon state. The under is a little low for me because if Oregon state gets hot, it's not the, it's not that, you know, Illinois, Chicago can't score. They can score the ball uh, in an Oregon State team that, that's not particularly good defensively. Um, but uh, Porter Moser, the coaching job, he, the clinic he put on the other day was yeah. ridiculous. And, and, and Brad Underwood was a deer in headlights. He made no adjustments to a simple middle ball screen that were set inside the three-point line, that or a handoff over and over again, same type of stuff. They'd run action and end up in that type of, action at the end but we we see
0: that with one seeds in tournament history good coaches like bill self like uh, going back to that northern iowa Iowa game with took forever to even start pressing it was like eight minutes Mm -hmm. to go or wherever it was and then he finally starts pressing when you're the one seed or even just a higher seed and the favorite you you're reluctant to change and adapt to the other team which that makes no sense but it's like if we just do our game over the course of 40 minutes we'll prevail and they get a little too stubborn
1: I think you're right. I think the, I think the I think arrogance does set in quite a bit there. I think you think that we are more talented, because you are. With, like, look at the, the shot difficulty that Illinois was hitting. Some of the Corbello's shots and some of Iowa's shots. Like, it, they, were, they were taking and making some really difficult shots just to keep it with even, like, an, out from an embarrassment. Those aren't shots that little Chicago players would even take or make. But they didn't need to. And, and that's the, like, there, there was no desire to say, okay, we have to do something different because we're more, we're more talented, fine, but they, they have this game plan and their setup and how they match up against us is causing problems. We're now going to take Kofi out or make Kofi pressure the ball against Cameron Crutwick, or if we take him out, we're going to pressure him. We're going to push him off. We're actually going to hard hedge when they blast this ball screen on the offensive end. The guy open is the skip in the corner. You got to make that pass. Io. You have to make the pass. And then that player in the corner either makes the shot or he can drive and create out of, a, out of a, uh, out of a closeout situation. None of that happened. And it was, it was shocking. So uh, I tip my hat to Moser and his team, his game plan execution. And then in, in game adjustment to it, like the one time it got close in the second half, it was like six or seven Moser decides to throw out of nowhere, a full court press on Illinois promptly. The ball is airmailed out of bounds for a turnover. Loyal Chicago scores and the game. Like they go on a little mini spurt there again. Like that's the type of stuff that just, as he saw even the, 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 the hint of something changing, let me throw you a curveball. Oh, you're not ready for it. We've capitalized. We score. It was really just a, a massive yeah. performance by him. Um, but how that plays out today is I think with Oregon State, it's a little bit different. They are a little more versatile. They do play slow, but they can make they can create offense and, and make shots. I think if you're going to give me six and a half, if that gets to seven, I'm definitely taking it. I like it at six and a half. I would probably take the Beavers with the points right there and think this will be a low-scoring, low-possession game in which they can, they can take it at Cover City.
0: Yeah, let's go to the East region. And by the way, coaching uh, adjustments give, give uh, Musselman a lot of credit. With Colgate down early, he said, all right, let's start making them uncomfortable. We have athleticism, started pressing full court. Made the Raiders uh, take some more time off the clock before they got into their offense. And then they made that run, whatever it was, 17 mm-hmm. nothing or crazy at the end of the first half. Okay. Yep. Uh, East region, short number and then a little bit bigger number. I want to talk UCLA Bama because the Pac 12 continues to impress. Uh, again, I have to be on the underdog here. Six, six and a half with the Bruins. As, as impressive as Bama's looked and the SEC's looked solid as well. I'm going to side with the Pac 12 and the points here.
1: This one, it's tough because UCLA and Alabama. I think their defense gets a little bit underrated. Yeah, and they, they, I mean they they are top five in adjusted defensive efficiency. I think we forget that, and I think that's where UCLA is going to struggle to score here. I think you're going to have a lot of guys that are capable of keeping their guys in front of them, and and UCLA uses they have to they don't have any like individual great score. They use a lot of each other to to generate offense to score and play a, you know a collective basketball game. Um, to do that's a little a little more difficult against an Alabama team with some size and some length. Um, and I think Alabama, conversely, is going to be able to score quite easily on them. Uh, the, the pace of this game, they may not get the pace they want. UCLA is going to – I mean, Micron is going to grind this thing down. Um, so, again, the under is probably the play that I would make here at 145 and a half. Uh, I feel like that, that's that's the way that he thinks he can control this thing. And that's pretty much the only hope they have is to try to make this a half-court game. And if they can do that, they can keep it close. I prefer the under. Uh, if I'm laying the points, I would probably – I would probably – Maybe I should just stop fading the Pac-12, and I would probably take the points. You're probably right here. I got to learn my lesson eventually, but because, because again, I think it's going to try to be a lone possession game. But if I'm wrong, if they if they take quicker shots, if they get turnovers, then this thing's going to be a blowout, man. And that thing's going to go there. They can't they can't guard them in an up and down game. It will get ugly. It can get ugly quickly. So they have to maintain control of this game, and I think they will do everything they can possible to do that, which lends itself to the under
0: in my mind. I think the unders is a good call. That is a pretty big number. All things considered 145 and a half. That is, that's a big number. So I'm going to look uh, harder at that one in the coming days, one final game, Michigan, Florida state. I actually like the short number with the Wolverines. I know the Seminoles have been a, a nice team all year. I believe you have them going final four, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. but you know, this is a, this is where you get coaching and I, I, they're missing livers. I was on the tigers to beat, to beat Michigan, but uh, I'm going to with the Wolverines here minus the short number.
1: Uh, I am not. Obviously, I had Florida State in my, in my bracket. It's not just that to stick with it. I, I, I think the matchup is going to be the problem here. And we said it a, for a while. And when you saw the last game, too, I think we, some of the stuff was even illuminated. Like Mike Smith and Eli Brooks, are good. they're good guards, but they're small guards. And Florida State is not. And they've got that length and that athleticism and versatility that's going to be difficult for those guys to score. So there's two things that I think are interesting. Under Dickinson is a, a mountain of a man. And bolsa can bang with him a little bit, but they still may just say, you know what, we're going to be who we are. We switch everything anyway. They may switch and have Anthony Polite, who's still 6'6", with a 6'9", wingspan. Scotty Barnes, who's 6'9", with a 7-plus foot wingspan. MJ Walker, who's 6'4", with a 6'6", wingspan. Guard Hunter Dickinson, front the post, and then have bigs like bolsa pressure Mike Smith or pressure Brooks out of the post and not allow them to enter the wall of the post. To get the ball in, the guards got to deliver the rock, and sometimes it's hard to do that if you can if you can apply when you can apply ball pressure, even in a switch situation where there is a mismatch. Sometimes it's really hard to get it in, and sometimes you get over focused. Go book at the beginning of the Illinois game where they are obsessed with getting it to Coburn, where the offense almost bogs down, where the ball is just held over guys' heads as they try to enter the ball in, versus just playing your game. So I think there's a couple different things Leonard Hamilton could do to attack them that can cause some problems. And on the other end, uh, I think their versatility offensively and the ball screen continuity they're going to run and have Dickinson running out of ball screens and hedging over and over and over again, either leads to fouls or leads to him being out of, out of position at times and helps them offensively. So um, the money line is only plus 125. Uh, you know, There's a little bit of value there, obviously. Um, I, I may not do that. I'd probably just lean to take the take the two and a half points uh, like what Florida State can do. If they don't turn it over, which Michigan's defense doesn't usually lend to turning it over, if they just make smart decisions, I think they should be fine. I think it's a game that they will be really competitive, a one possession game that they can win. And, uh, and, and limit some of the offense that the Michigan needs from guys like Brooks and, and Smith and Shondi Brown when they don't have livers to stretch the floor and liver size and athleticism and communication and, and uh, uh, defensive capabilities on that other end. So uh, I'm sticking with Florida State, and I'll take the points.
0: Sounds good. I, I look, our final plays will be on the ESPN.com's chalk section in the coming days, but uh, you give me a few uh, nuggets to kind of absorb and think about and with the final slate. So I like some of your totals plays. Uh, it was good to get me um, sort of thinking along those lines. And I think our uh, listeners appreciate that as well. Dallin, good chatting as always, my man.
1: Anytime, man. Have a good one. I don't win a lot.
0: Dallin Cuff joined us, brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. Download the DraftKings app today and use code DOUG to get in on all the action. And thanks to Dallin, always fun breaking down these games. And he had some uh, really interesting points about the total. So I'm going to dive deeper personally into that and get some plays. Again, uh, all of our stuff over at ESPN.com's chalk section. We do a really extensive job. Uh, We have NBA plays on Wednesday and Friday as well. And then obviously the tournament plays heading into the weekend. And uh, Daily Wager Pod, just a reminder, Joe Fortenbaugh, Tyler Fulgham, and I, we rotate sort of two of us each day. And uh, under 10 minutes, that's our promise to you and uh, we deliver. Hopefully, we can beat some line moves as well, and uh, that's going to do it. We appreciate always rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff, and uh, checking us out on a regular basis. I hope you're enjoying the big dance, and enjoy it further moving ahead.